0: wonderful good morning sf live episode 240 on this tuesday It's 8 a.m here in vancouver appreciate you joining us for this episode together with a jim craig of benchmark metals he's sitting actually across from me in the studio we have a real person here really excited the trend we're seeing we're seeing more people come to the studio we're getting through it we're almost are we done yet i don't know but uh, it's looking positive i'm just happy that people are in person here in the studio we're just having good conversation so looking forward to the conversation with jim here in a few short seconds we're going to talk benchmark uh they put out some fantastic drill results on friday infill results nonetheless but uh what are they going to do to the resource? Are they going to upgrade the resource? I doubt they're going to downgrade the resource, but uh, what's the impact? What are the next steps? Massive tool program ongoing. We'll talk about release schedule, like you know, how, was the lab, how are the labs doing and lots, lots more. Uh, if you want to, you can use the chat and put your uh, questions in there for Jim as well. If I see them, um, I'll definitely try to ask them and fit them into the conversation. So make sure to use that. We are doing this live. That's the whole purpose of that. So. You can look the CEO straight in the eye. When I, Once I change the camera angle, I can already see him right there. And um, you can hear it straight from him. So there's no hiding. It's It is live. It's not pre-recorded. So just real quick, quick reminder, follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Hit that like button. It really helps with the algorithm. It's much appreciated. Follow us, of course. Turn on that bell notification. It is much appreciated. Now, let me switch over to my guest, and uh, Jim, it is great to see you. Thanks for joining me here in the studio at, like, 8 a.m. this morning. A pleasure to be here, Kai. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. Like I've been saying just now, it's it's so nice to have more people come into the studio and do this face-to-face. There's one of the reasons we have this studio here in Vancouver, so I appreciate the effort you made this morning.
1: Yeah, nothing beats interaction with a, a real person.
0: It doesn't, and uh, you've been in a bit early this morning, so we had a great chance to chat as well. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, like, I agreed. don't have to whisper it. It's just so much better. Agreed. Yeah. So, um, Jim, first time on SF Live. And uh, why don't you give us a quick 30 60 second rundown on Benchmark and then we'll dive into some more details.
1: Our Benchmark Metals is a gold and silver advanced explorer in northern British Columbia, Canada. So, we're in a tier one road accessible jurisdiction, uh, proven and prolific. Uh, there are many large miners and advanced explorers around us. But we're at a point now where we have an established large gold and silver resource. Uh, We published last year approximately 3 million ounces of 1.6 grams in three open pitable areas that are located close to one another. And after drilling um, upwards of near 100,000 meters, uh, we're on the verge of an updated resource that will move well above that 3 million ounce uh, total number. So we're moving towards a development story, engineering, and
0: um, a production decision. So this story's moved very quickly over the course of four years. Fantastic. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the timeline as well, because production decision, that's a big one. Uh, just to, how, how far is that away?
1: So we have um, an updated resource in March timeframe yeah. that'll be followed by a preliminary economic analysis, like yeah. likely April. Yeah uh but the the real meat and bones to the story will be in a feasibility study and i w- i would uh, anticipate that in 10 to 12 months um and so that's all the work that's being performed now through 2022
0: supports the feasibility study.
1: Fantastic. All right.
0: So we, we jumped ahead. It's like we, we, we gave the hook already, but yeah. let's backfill what you sure. just said a bit. Lots to uh, tell on all of it. Exactly. Yeah. Let, let's jump back and t- talk about the beginnings of the company as well. It's a bit of the history. Uh, how much have you drilled so far on the project? And uh, tell us a bit about the development of the project so far.
1: So total drilling that Benchmarks performed is, is uh, nearing about 150,000 meters total. But we also... Um, accepted or had historical data from previous exploration and production from over 30 years ago. So it's um, contributed to a very large knowledge base, uh, database, if you will, um, to support new targets, but also grow this resource estimate.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so growing the resource estimate. Um no, let's take it back. I don't want to talk exploration just yet. Sure. That's, that's the next yeah. step. Uh, let's, let's talk capital structure, I think, first. Um, it, it is a big item. You have $40 million in cash, working yes. capital. Yep. I'm assuming it's mostly cash. A lot of it flow through? Um, I'd say or, thir-
1: approximately $30 million flow through and $10 million in hard dollars, and that's Canadian dollars, of course. And that was through a, um, a bought deal financing in December
0: fantastic so you just filled up the coffers there but on flow through you have to spend that by the end of this year is that correct that's so you have right. to spend 30 million this year
1: that's right and that is our budget for 2022 towards feasibility is 30 million dollars
0: fantastic all right we're going to break that down in a second we're going to stay on cap structure real quick give me a bit of an overview like shares outstanding but also like shareholders who's involved who owns how much
1: sure so, so. we're approximately 200 million shares outstanding um We've through the course of two years inserted some strong institutional and fund support. Um we have the likes of uh, Franklin Templeton, uh, Merck Capital, um some of Sprout Capital fund as well. Um I'm missing um one more in there. Was it did I mention Franklin? Venek. Uh, Venek thank I you. I I just Kat, have that, pres- that the very, presentation very open
0: here, so that's chi chi um
1: and we have some corporate ownership in the company now so yamana gold participated in the december financing and that provided um some real validity not only to the project but to management moving ahead um to a mining endeavor so it, it's good to have um participation from yamana and ultimately perhaps um, they're a suitor for us but uh, you know it's going to take some time for them to understand and uh, dissect the story a bit more.
0: Okay, since you opened that Pandora's box, I, think I wanted to circle back to Yamana, but you just opened it. So it got, um they also invested in ascot Yes. Uh, so how far away and like regionally like how does that all fit together? Like what can you maybe speculate a bit on their plans and what the idea might be behind that?
1: Well, I think Yamana's um you know, they've got about five operations um in North and South America and they tend to focus on tier one jurisdictions that have low geopolitical risk, Um, and you can certainly see that with, um, you know, mining endeavors in Canada, uh, but also Chile and Brazil. And um, they've certainly stepped up to focus in British Columbia, um, simply because, uh, one, you can permit a mine in this area of of Canada. Um, There's tax advantages to working in Canada, there's no geopolitical risk, and um you know much like Ascot, um we are road accessible. You can drive your vehicle directly to site um so they're they're focused on endeavors that can go into production quickly uh, without any um
0: roadblock, so to speak pretty straightforward to be honest yeah okay that makes sense um, yeah I've been watching that uh, the investments from Yamana in both your companies I'm really curious what the end goal is there because they've done that before where they dip their toe in and then just take over at a certain point before you probably make a fatal flaw or a fatal decision in the, right. in the process right the, yeah, like sign a term sheet on financing probably that they wouldn't like or something.
1: yeah I, th- I think they have a two part focus one they have funds um, that they realize they can earn some um, potential or income on yeah and so they invest in you know top tier assets that they believe in and then after that they they review and dive into your data and then it's uh you know all of their investments i think for the bulk of them they're all possible candidates for a takeover um, but the first step is it passes the litmus test to become an investment yeah,
0: dip the toe in first to that's right that all fits together yeah. um while we're still on capital structure sort of let, let's uh bring up the elephant in the room. You mentioned Sprott. Um, he he personally sold down his position. I think he's out of the transaction. Is there any, do you have any more color on that for us? Uh, and okay. Is that part maybe, sorry, to, to, to elaborate on that, why the share price has been, let's say, caught in a range over the last, what is it now? It's February since September, pretty much. So Yeah,
1: I think um, certainly that, that that could have been part of it. Um, Eric was a fantastic supporter of the benchmark story two and a half years ago, and, and he jumped into us uh, before others did not and he certainly helped uh, with a large amount of capital to advance this project to this multi-million ounce asset and uh, you know his average price is somewhere below $0.40 cents, uh, and that doesn't include warrants. So he's a business person and uh, an opportunity to move his shares into good hands and he monetized on it. So I'm proud to say that Eric Sprott made a significant amount of money in an investment in benchmark as have others. And, you know, um, uh, it was a pleasure having him on, on board. Um, he has very limited ownership now, but he crossed his shares over to existing funds who doubled down and believed longer term in the story and were looking for uh, um, more ownership. So, you know, Eric was a great partner to have and he um, cleanly moved his shares over to good hands. And I think we're at a next level to to bump back up now.
0: I was going to say that cleanly moved shares that's that's huge because usually when, when somebody wants to sell I rarely hear that they're cooperative it rarely happens yeah. for some reason You often hear companies complain like well we tried to reach out he never picked up the phone he never wanted to talk to us he just sold into the market uh, sorry I don't mean Eric like yeah, Mr. Sprott in general there. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely. more of a general statement right and, yeah. and that that's good to see that they, the shares moved into like solid hands that actually wanted to own them and not yeah. just traders and flippers right? Yeah, that's um, right you mentioned warrants real quick one point like there's one no, yeah, there's actually 37 million warrants outstanding, but 1.9 million of them are at a dollar. Do you see them still coming in? Do you see? Are they maybe one of the reasons why the share price has been stuck at like a buck 12 recently?
1: Well, I'd say I think over the last um, 10 days we probably traded um, very close to 10 million shares, and um, so we're we're chewing through volume, which is a good sign to help us lift to a next level. So I think those warrants that are in the money are not a, an issue at the moment. Um, the bulk of all the warrants we have, um, about $17 million, I believe, are priced at a, uh, just above $1.60. Uh, so that's an opportunity for the company to bring in more capital as the value increases. Uh, but I think the the headwinds that we had with warrants are now removed. And uh, we have some enormous milestones and drill results
0: still to come. And I think we'll, we'll vault ahead very quickly to 52-week highs. Okay, let's let's jump ahead then. Let's talk about how you're going to spend the forty million that you have in the bank. Thirty million budget this year. You want to break down that budget for us, and then we can talk project itself. And
1: sure. So it is a thirty million Canadian that we're planning on through twenty twenty two. And to mention that thirty million, there are already two drill rigs turning at our site. Uh, This is the first time we've had a winter drill program. So this all goes to speak to that
0: road accessible nature. We can work year round here can i jump in so did you set up a camp uh, on site like fully ex- winterized yeah camp? yeah
1: we have a winterized camp and um you know our background with our group is we've worked in the arctic before so um we're not in the arctic this time but yeah. uh you know our, our geologists and our crew are, are quite weathered and uh, they're used to working in the colder temperatures um, but certainly with two drill rigs going we're fully winterized and operational and um, they're actually drilling some of the best production numbers we've seen even compared to summer right now. So quite impressive.
0: Well, now you open that door. Now we got to walk through it, of course. Yeah. Well, some of the best numbers you've seen. Um, 13 meters of 23.7 grams uh, and, and 212 grams of silver uh, within a broader zone of 101, gra- 101 meters of 4.68 that is a good that's a good result how does that fit together and uh, how do these those those were infill holds um but how do they fit in with the resource that you put out in 2021 and uh, what do you expect to happen with the next upgrade so
1: the bulk of the drilling we completed in 2021 was going towards filling in gaps in the resource uh, where the modelers didn't have the confidence um, to bring in some of these voids and so this gap type drilling is providing some real rewards Um, you know as you mentioned 102 meters of 5.8 grams gold equivalent so gold and silver started from surface so this gap um, has you know not only provided an extremely long intercept from surface but it's also increased the grade in that sub area so the expansion drilling is doing several things Uh, expansion and infill, that is. It's increasing the tonnage of gold and silver. Um, The deposits are expanding. There's no question. We see drilling uh, that is going beyond the bounds of our $1,600 pit shells. And so the pit shells are expanding uh, on strike and to depth. And we certainly expect a much bigger number in the updated resource to come. Yeah.
0: Maybe getting ahead of myself here, but since you mentioned the updated resource, what do you think some of the KPIs are going to be um, or some of the indicators that you'll be using in the in the resource update? Are you gonna use the same, let's say, US dollar price per ounce of gold and silver uh, from then in 2021? Are you going higher or lower? Can, can you give us some ideas there?
1: Yeah, most um, companies tend to use a three year trailing average um, just because it gives um, you know more of a sense of confidence on the real price. Um, so I would anticipate the price to be around the sixteen hundred dollar level. There might be an opportunity for us to to bump it up a bit a bit higher, and um, in that case, uh, it also allows us to encapsulate more gold and silver. Uh, but regardless, um, you know, sixteen hundred dollar gold is a safe number, um, especially when uh, gold's trading at about eighteen
0: fifty today. Yeah. Um, okay, let, let me jump in there. Maybe let's let's get a bit of a discussion going here. So. I've seen Barrick put out their reserve up update actually February tenth, I think. They put out a press release with their resources and reserve update. Mm-hmm. And they stuck with twelve hundred dollars gold mm-hmm. per ounce. And they still have sixty nine million ounces. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um you you're looking at sixteen sixteen hundred plus maybe. Uh, put that in some context. It's just uh like trying to why why not stick with twelve hundred or do you think Barrick is actually wrong sticking to twelve hundred? That's no. why he's like me in discussion. I'm curious to yeah, see your few, few I, on I, that.
1: I think it's a, it, there's a different um there's a different pillar um between Explorer or or developers and producers. Uh, the producers tend to, to like to use lower numbers um, because they're already in production. Um, but it, it helps uh, illustrate that they have um you know in Barracks case, uh in general they're um one of the lower cost producers overall. Uh it depends on the operation. And so um, using, it it just shows that they are profitable even using a lower gold number. So, you know, I think it gives the investor a better sense of confidence. Um, If gold does go down, look, they're producing some rosy uh, net income numbers. Um, But on the exploration side, when your goal is to work towards engineering and economics and you're building out large resources, Uh, Well you want to show the potential for um, a multi, um, you know, I guess the word is a a world class endeavor and um, for us using $1600 gold, the mine isn't going to be built tomorrow. So we have a bit of a a lead way, uh, which allows us to use a higher price. You know, we're probably looking at um, roughly speaking four years to production, uh, maybe upwards of five years. And so that allows five years for the gold yeah. price to increase. So yeah. th- there's two different levels of um, you for, know for, metrics. Oh,
0: for sure, and you'll have a sensitivity table in your in your uh, feasibility study as well, or PA to that degree as well. So everybody can use their own price and Absolutely. throw their metrics around and cut off grades and whatever you want to do, right? That's so. right,
1: and that's the key: the price sensitivity curve or the matrix that we show okay. and. Um, I think that will um, be a bit of an eye opener yeah. for most.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I don't want to yeah. go down too far into that rabbit hole, so because we yeah. could spend hours talking about bear acquisition strategies sure. and M and A strategies, right? Yeah. Um, talking about that, but um, we we talked about your drill results, and one question that came up, obviously, as a vi- vi- vigilant and diligent market observer, I see you putting out your press releases on Friday afternoons. Mm-hmm. I, I got asked since I have you here, like, what's the rationale behind that? Like, you do it after market.
1: Sure. So, so so, part of the, the strategy there is, you know, no, no one's ever been able to tell or, or give a succinct statistical number when the best day is to put out a press release. And quite often you don't have a choice of when the day's um, uh, put out because uh, you're sitting on confidential information that's got to be um, distributed. Yeah. Um, but on the Friday release... Um, we're of the opinion that um, investors nowadays take more time to review their investment decisions. And by putting things out on a Friday afternoon, it allows them um, Saturday and Sunday over coffee to uh, dive into the story a little bit more. Uh, But then we do re-release first thing Monday morning. So those who are not paying attention on Friday, will they get to see the news again Monday morning before markets open? So we're, we're trying to cover... Um, you know, the deep thinkers, uh, mm-hmm. but also on the Monday release, uh, respond to those who are, are quicker to um, push the button on a buy order.
0: Okay. Now I have to, the, the, pra- the, the pragmatist in me is asking, you now you have analyst coverage from Sprott, Claire's PI and Cormark. mm mm-hmm. Are they actually on the ball then? So if you put it out Friday afternoon, do you get questions first thing Monday morning when you're in the office? Let's say, because they're often Toronto-based. I'm not sure where the Sprott uh, analyst is based, either London or Toronto. But when you wake up in the morning, do you have a mailbox full or an inbox full of questions from the analyst then?
1: We do. It actually runs through the weekend. Um, and yeah. So this goes to speak to um, That's like to coffee. Yeah. You, know, um,
0: you know, it, it could be... Okay. Um,
1: Brock Salier from London, England, um, who is um, sending a message uh, very early morning for me on Saturday or Sunday, but just with a few follow-up questions. So the help with putting it out on Friday, though, is those analysts have lead time to think about it, and it's generally on their Monday morning updates where they they provide a a quick review of the benchmark story. So it has been helpful in that respect. Interesting.
0: I appreciate you giving some color on that because we work with other companies as well. And as you said, there's no perfect time to put it out like no it's difficult right? there's not there's so, not because yeah. we've been joking like as, as well like the best time to put it out is when gold is green because other than that it just doesn't make any sense right right but yeah uh, and you, other, and uh, you <laughs> can never predict the gold price no that's so, uh, well, that's impossible yeah. right uh yeah. getting it carried away just a little bit here but it's it's a fun conversation i love it uh, but but jim the next steps like you've been drilling and um you put out results this friday you put out the results the past friday yep is there a weekly pattern now or when do we see the next no, set of results? no
1: i i think it's um it I, it it just sort of happened by happenstance if you will that um you know three releases came out on a friday um but we are aiming to put out news um every 10 days and if you look at our um news section of the website um i i know very few companies that publish the amount of data and information on a regular basis like benchmark and uh, perhaps uh, that's to our detriment. You know, you might get people seeing the benchmark names splashed across uh, their screen. Uh, but we are very transparent on displaying information and providing updates. Um, and now I missed part of your question here. No, I got it's, off it's more like attention. it's coming
0: back to us like, how many holes are still in the lab? Like from the, right. Also last year's program, but you're drilling right now, so there's going to be constant stream. But to give us an update, how many holes are in the lab right now? What's the lab situation, everybody's wondering? Sure. Uh,
1: so-, so the lab situation's improving, but it's still somewhat slow. Um, we have received all of the drill results from the AGB uh, resource, uh, which is where that number came from. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we've already begun modeling um, And the wireframe information and and block modeling that we use to create the new resource estimate. So AGB deposits already on the go. Um, I'd say we're waiting for approximately under 10,000 meters total from the labs. And that is from the biggest zone called Cliff Creek. And some drilling from the smallest area called Dukes Ridge. So as those results come in over the coming weeks, um, then we will start working on The modeling for those two other deposits, Um, but it's very clear with the drilling that was completed in 2021 that we have stretched out these pit constrained shells um, to the south to depth and we're filling in gaps um, in the center of the deposits where um, it was unknown. So this will be a much larger resource estimate.
0: I'm really curious now what what is much larger for you so Well look, we published
1: um approximately between indicated and inferred um about 3 million ounces yeah. slightly over 1.6 grams I think there's an opportunity here where we could grow this by another third if not more and I think the grade uh will remain likely about the same Okay oh okay that's yep. that so, sounds
0: quite confident so yep. and just to just to follow up for my clarity for my understanding so the other two deposits they're currently waiting on, they're going to be factored in their resource model as well. That's so right. cut-off cut date is actually when the last results come in, and that, that's a bit out of your hands. So That's
1: right. It's it's out of our hands, but um, because this, um, the global resource is from three deposit areas, it allows us now to at least start work on the AGB deposit. And I think AGB deposit actually might give us um, the biggest growth overall um, because it, it was 400,000 ounces total in the first resource estimate, and uh, we have extended the strike length by an enormous amount, and we have pulled the pit shell down uh, from 265 meters depth to well over 300 meters depth. Um, so uh, it will be a source of a starter pit at AGB. It's, it's got a higher grade and a lower strip ratio. So it's it's one of the bigger rewards for this
0: project. Okay. We covered AGB Dukes Ridge Cliff Creek. They're going to be part of that the up resource update, part of the PEA. Yep. I see here on slide uh, 17, everybody can see the presentation on the website, but mm-hmm. uh, the new discovery drill targets. Yes. So, off those $30 million that you're going to spend this year, how much is earmarked for, let's say, expo- exploratory wildcat drilling?
1: Yeah, I have, so there's across the property, there's about 20 targets, and we've drilled, uh, um, I'd say, five of them right now. Um, there's still. S- Excuse me. <clears throat> still some uh, drill intercepts um, to come from some of those areas that we drilled last year. And certainly what it's starting to look like is that um, we have several areas that have high-grade discrete potential for satellite zones. Um, so some smaller but higher-grade deposits south of the heart of the property. Uh, and to give a number um, on what we will drill across um, the total package, I'd say it could be anywhere from ten thousand to twenty thousand meters of drilling on new targets.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. That's exciting. I like yeah. drilling new so, targets. Yeah, so yeah, new new discovery potential is is still in the cards here for benchmark this yeah. year. Fantastic. Well yeah. This was a fantastic conversation, Jim. Thanks for joining us. I think everybody got an understanding of what's next. Lots of drills, results pending, resource in March, uh PEA April. All fingers crossed, the labs deliver, of course, on time.
1: Yeah, and 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 perhaps you know the, the bigger thing we didn't ta- talk about is uh, we mentioned Yamana, but uh, look, this company is going to go two directions. Um, management has the capability to put this asset into production, and we're fully on board with working towards that because we think it brings big value. That's why we're spending $30 million, uh, but we also believe we're ripe for a takeover. Um, There's some point here in the next three to six months, uh, we have confidentiality agreements signed. And I think as we grow this resource, we will be a top pick for a takeover. Um, And uh, we will welcome that if it brings along a good premium because management are big shareholders. I was
0: going to say, who who doesn't welcome that? That's right. But The price has got to be right. So yes, that, absolutely. at about 15, nobody wants to see a takeover. So. That's
1: right, and that's why all this drilling and milestones we have over the next uh, three to six months should bring the value benchmark much higher
0: don't forget us when when that happens. So I want you to come back on SF Live and talk about it. I'd
1: like to do that. Yes, fantastic, Jim. Yeah.
0: Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming to the studio. It was great having you sitting in front of me and having that conversation. That Thanks was so a much. pleasure. Thank you, Kai. Fantastic. Everybody else, thank you so much for joining us. SF Live episode two hundred and forty with uh, Jim Craig. He's president of Benchmark Metals, and uh, you heard it from him. Lots of news happening. Spending thirty million dollars this year. Definitely one of the bigger programs uh, in Canada for sure. And. Uh, Follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, hit that like button. It really helps with the algorithm. It's much appreciated, and we'll be back with more live content very, very soon. Thanks so much for joining us.